All right, let's turn the Word of God to Matthew 23. Matthew 23 in the Word of God. And uh, then the New Testament. Amen. Just help you out there a little bit, right? Amen. As far as I know, they didn't move it. Amen. That's what my friend Brother Crabb would always say when he'd looking for a verse and you get there and it was the wrong one. He'd say, oh, man, they moved it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Matthew, there's some people trying to move it, aren't they? <laughs> Matthew 23, Matthew 23, and we'll begin at verse 31 and read the last few verses there. Matthew 23, verses 31 through 34. Amen. How you doing this morning, Phil? It's always good to see Phil. And do you know he almost calls me every Tuesday for lunch, right, Phil? Um, yeah, second Tuesday of every week, he says he's going to call me. Matthew 23, verses 31 through 39. Of course, uh, Jesus speaking here, and it says, we'll just begin in verse 31. Of course, he's, he's uh, really been letting them have it here, and so we'll just drop in on this message that he's preaching in verse 31. It says, Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them that kill the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, which he slew between the temple and the altar." Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent to thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Let's pray again together, please. Heavenly Father, again, we claim the precious blood and name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're sure thankful for that name. Lord, that name above all names, that name through which we find salvation. Uh, dear God, we just thank you that we have the privilege, uh, dear God, of calling upon Jesus. And just being able to utter that precious sweet name from our lips, dear Lord. That's certainly... Lord, uh, uh, one of the things that we can be so thankful for this morning and the access that it gives us. Lord, I pray you'd bless each one that's here this morning, here or listening in. Bless them for their uh, uh, faithfulness. And uh, Lord, you know what's going on in hearts and the situations, dear God. We pray you'd give grace. Lord, we think about uh, the holiday we just had, another holiday uh, coming up. And uh, Lord, uh, as we've gathered around with loved ones or contacting loved ones, and no doubt many of those loved ones are lost. And for whatever reason at this point in their life, they've not yet been saved. Though they might have heard the gospel many a time. Lord, we pray even today uh, for our lost loved ones and lost friends and those you bring into contact with, uh, dear God, that uh, uh, we, you would take the word that they've heard and work in their heart even today, wherever they might be. Lord, we pray for the sick among us. Lord, we think of uh, the McLeans, Lord, Brother Dennis, with the blood clot and the uh, kidney stones and other things going on. Please touch them. We think of Sister Kreft, 
Uh, dear God, touch her back. And uh, Lord, others that have needs, Lord, we think of a special prayer for Melvin this morning, Lord. Uh, touch him. And Lord, just uh, we, a lot of things are upon our heart, and we trust you and commit these things to you. Now, Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture, dear God, I pray you'd use it to do what needs to be done in hearts and lives that are listening this morning, that in everything, again, Jesus will get the glory, and it would be used to build your local church. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, uh, in chapter 23 here, uh, you have the Lord preaching a hard message, amen? A hard message against the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, you read that chapter over and over, he says, oh, you know, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And really, it's against uh, the whole nation of Israel, but he's really letting them scribes and Pharisees uh, have it. You know, and I think it's good for people to know there's portions of Scripture uh, like this. There's things like this in the Word of God. Because a lot of people, you know, especially, uh, you know, the world, they like to portray uh, uh, Jesus as some sweet little guy that just uh, likes to walk around smiling all the time and, you know, petting the animals and being, being uh, nice to people. I'm sure, I'm sure he did that, right? Nobody's kinder uh, than Christ. But as a holy God manifest in the flesh... As a holy God manifest in the flesh, he preached hard against sin and strongly warned people about the reality and judgment of hell. Sure, he was a nice guy. We know, amen. There's no one uh, kinder and, and more loving and caring than Jesus Christ. But yet when you care about people, right, you, you're not afraid uh, to deal with sin. You're not afraid uh, to preach the truth. Nobody preached on hell more and harder than the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that he did that uh, shows that it's an important message to get out. And so uh, we see in verses, uh, of course, he did it throughout this chapter. But as we, uh, in, in what we read today, verses 31 through 36, you just see him uh, uh, laying it hard at those Pharisees. Of course, he really puts it hard against religious people, right? You know, and not just against, uh, a lot of times he was harder on the religious people than he was the, uh, the drunkards and uh, the harlots, right? Because they understood uh, uh, their sin, right? But, but a, a spirit of sin, an attitude of sin sometimes can uh, be just as bad or worse than actions and, and, and hypocrites and things like that. And so he, he lets them have it hard there in this chapter. But you'll notice one thing about God throughout his word. Again, you, there are many places where God rebukes and passes judgment upon people, even his people. But as here, he usually ends his message or puts somewhere within that message a show of love, grace, and compassion and an invitation. I mean, it's amazing how, how hard he can preach against his people, the great judgment uh, throughout the word of God that he brings upon his people, but he always leaves, amen, that, 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 that shining light of grace, that shining light often of mercy. And we even see that here in this portion of scripture. Let us notice, uh, I want to focus in on 37, verse 37. Notice what's packed into this one verse. First of all, I want to notice the grief of God, the grief of God. Notice how, how he makes this statement. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 
try, try to emphasize it there like, like uh, Brother Wood tried to get us to emphasize that when he was having us repeating that psalm. Hey, don't, notice there's an exclamation mark. Notice that, well, hey, notice this verse answers, uh, ends with an exclamation mark. So we can tell there's great emotion put into this verse. And he says, he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And notice the, repeti- the repetition there shows the seriousness and depth of grief. The seriousness and the depth of grief that Jesus Christ is portraying when he makes this statement. As I read that, uh, uh, it made me think of a, a story in the Old Testament. I think a real example to illustrate maybe how Jesus feels here is found in 2 Samuel. You know the story there where Absalom, of course, rebels against David. And then you know uh, uh, the story. Uh, uh, David comes in and Absalom flees. And, of course, you know, what, what's David say? Oh, uh, be kind to Absalom. Be kind to Absalom. But you know that they killed him. And remember how David responds? Turn over there for a moment to 2 Samuel 18. And, I mean, you can, just see, you can just hear the heart, the broken heart of this father. And I think it shows you how, maybe how Jesus felt when he was making this statement. Of course, uh, David gets, gets word that his son Absalom has been killed. And notice how he responds in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 18. And we'll begin the last verse there, verse 33, and we'll read the first few verses of 19. It says this, verse 33 of 2 Samuel 18. And the king was much moved. And went up to the chamber over the gate. Look at this. And he wept and wept. And and as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. Notice the exclamation mark here. Would to God I had died for thee, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. I mean, how can you read that without understanding the grief of his heart? The grief of his heart. Over his son. And it was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. And the victory that day was turned into mourning, for the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son. And the people got them by uh, uh, stealth that day into the city, as people being ashamed steal away when, the flee, when they flee in battle. And notice again, one more time, verse 4 But the king covered his face. And the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom, oh, my son, my son. And I think if you understand uh, the grief that was in the heart of David that day, maybe we can uh, get a little glimpse into the heart of Jesus Christ that day. Sure, he preached against their sin. Sure, he rebuked them. Sure, he warned them the dangers of hell and not turning to God. But as a God of great uh, 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 compassion, amen, he cried out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Boy, I just think about God crying out about against them that day. And we need to realize and people need to realize how rebellion and rejection, right, of what is right, grieve the heart of God that loves you. When you get saved or if you uh, uh, before when you won't get saved or if you're saved and you hold on to sin, we need to understand how that grieves the heart of God. Well, if you're if you're listening and, and, and you're not you're, you're not saved or if you're saved and for some reason you're choosing to hold on to some sin in your life. Think about how that is, is grieving, how he, uh, David, they're going, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom. And uh, 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 Jesus here going, oh, Jerusalem, 
Oh, Jerusalem. Well, I think about maybe how God might call out people's names when he desires them to get saved. You know, oh, Richard. Oh, Richard. Oh, Kathy. Oh, Kathy. I was thinking about my best friend in high school recently. I recently came across his obituary. His name was Mike. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he got saved or not, but I just thank God, you know, uh, oh, oh, Mike, oh, Mike, you know, uh, I'd still like to find out what happened to him and how, how he died there in Dallas. But I think about people that I've witnessed to and people that have turned from God. And boy, how that must grieve the heart of God. We didn't realize the seriousness of our action, the seriousness of, God, of people rejecting God. Hey, listen, uh, uh, if, if, you, if you have been given the gospel and you're rejecting God, I want you to know God grieves for you this morning. God grieves for you this morning and wants you to come to him just like David grieved for his son and God grieves for those that reject him. God grieves for those that won't turn to him or if they're saved and won't get things right. God grieves over that. So we see the, the grief of God. Well, I pray that that, that, that that reality comes home to hearts this morning, how God grieves over these things. But notice also, notice next what I call the gifts of God. You see the grief of God, but then you also see the gifts of God in this verse. Notice this statement. Let's look at it. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. Notice this statement. And stonest, look at this, them which are sent to thee. Them which are sent to thee. Boy, if you are lost, or when you were lost, you need to realize every person that God sent your way to give you the gospel, to share his word with you, to bring him to yourself. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe one of your family members gave you the gospel. Maybe a friend gave you the gospel. Or just someone that cared about you gave you the gospel. You need to realize those people that God has brought into your life to give. That is a gift of God. Every time uh, 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 Jerusalem and Israel rebelled against God, every time these people rebelled against God, and God sent another prophet, another prophet, another prophet, another messenger to try to get them to turn back to God. Hey, listen, that person was a gift of God in their life. That was the blessing of God in their life that he cared enough that he didn't give up on them. He just kept saying another prophet and another prophet, another messenger and another messenger. Hey, listen, God has brought gifts into your life. And that person that's trying to, to woo you to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and giving you the gospel, you need to realize that person is a gift of God in your life. And God, because God cares about you and he sends those people because, listen, he's grieved at your sin. He's grieved at your rebellion. He's grieved at your rejection. And he says, oh, listen, just turn to me. You don't know what I, whoa, if you understood everything I want to do for you. That's what he's saying in this verse. And people, people that are saved, I look at people that have gotten out of church and walked with God. And God, God calls that friend and says, listen, listen, I think about uh, one of my friends right now. And he's been away from God for years. And, oh. Oh, I, I still pray for I've been praying for with him close to 20 years that God would turn his heart back to God. And I'll keep uh, uh, praying. Amen. And listen, uh, uh, don't don't give up on those people. But listen, uh, if, if, if you're not right with God and not doing what you're doing, listen, and even though we're saved, hey, listen, you don't even have to be against God. Uh, you that are saved. Hey, listen, uh, if somebody's praying for you, if somebody's encouraging you, that's a gift from God. 
the people that God's brought in life. I, I, I've mentioned this before. I say it again. Uh, every one of you, uh, you're a gift from God in my life. That's how I look at you. I look at you as a gift from God into my life. And I want to be a gift of God in, in other people's lives. And, and we, what, what, what a privilege, you know. But we, we like to get gifts. We like to give gifts. Amen. Be a gift. Amen. Say, God, make me a gift in somebody's life to get them the gospel. Make me a gift in my brother's life. Amen. To encourage them uh, uh, along the way. And so uh, we need to realize, he says, them which are sent unto thee. And the fact that God has sent somebody your way to give you the gospel, to try to get you to turn back to him, or, or, or somebody has sent God into your life to pray for you, encourage you, and be there for you. That's the gift of God in your life. And I hope you recognize that this morning. I hope you appreciate that this morning. Unfortunately, uh, uh, they did not appreciate that, and they stoned those uh, that God would send their way, and they killed those that God sent their way. What a, what a sad testimony that is. But may, I, may you realize, listen, despite how, how you may have received what that person said when they came to you, even Paul said that. Paul said, would you count me your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Boy, they counted them enemies. I pray if there's somebody that's trying to tell you about Jesus, if somebody's trying to help you get to Jesus or somebody's helping you, listen, don't count them your enemy. Count them again as a gift from God, a blessing from God, somebody that cares about your soul. They're a gift from God. Then notice next, the grace of God. Notice this again, the grace of God. Notice what he says after that. Then what you're saying to me, and then he says this, how often? Look at that statement. I saw that statement, man. That statement encouraged me. Here we see the, the, here we see the grace of God. Here we see grace extended. Here we see the long suffering of God. Because again, God didn't give up. He didn't say he didn't try something once. And well, hey, if that's the way they're going to be about it, you know, I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad attitude. Hey, I've seen Christians give somebody a track, and when the person ripped it up, then they'd say, well, uh, that's what they deserve to go to. I've heard Christians, I, I should, let me take that back. I've never heard a Christian say that. I've heard people handing out tracks say that. A Christian wouldn't respond that way. If you respond that way, you're not, you're not, you're not a Christian. Amen. No, listen, uh, when somebody responds that way, you think, oh, I hope they get another opportunity. I hope they get an opportunity. Oh, listen. Listen, how often, how often God comes to you and you don't realize it. Hey, bringing that person that gives you the message. Listen, God is coming to you when he gives you another day. Amen. When he allows you to get up in the day. That's the grace of God in your life. But listen, how I love that statement. How often this shows God not only has salvation for you, but many blessings for you. God, I think about, listen, since I've been saved these 33 and a half years, since I've been saved, I think of how often God has been good to me. Well, I could park right here for a while and just brag over the last 33 and a half years how often God has been good to me. Amen. I want to say God has often been good to me. Matter of fact, on a daily basis. Boy, you can meditate on that. Just, you want something to be thankful for? Take time and meditate and reflect and remember how often God has been good to you. He's been good to us often. And even those that reject him, even those that, listen, uh, uh, that, 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 that still, amen, uh, turn from his, his drawing and wooing uh, unto him, he is, he is being good to them. It rains on the just and the unjust, amen? God is good to everyone, and he's good to them often. But he wants to be, he wants to be good to you often on a personal basis through an active personal relationship. 
And so he says, how often? He says, man, if you just realized, oh, why would you reject me? Why would you turn from me? Why would you not want to live for me? Why would you not want to serve? If you just knew how often I want to bless you. If you just knew how many things I want to do for you. If you just knew what I really want to do in you. What I really want to do through you. Oh, if you just knew how often. And he says this, how often I sent people your way trying to help you. That's the, the grace of God. He goes on, he says, I just add on that, the goodness of God. He says, what, how often would I have what? Would I have? How often would I have? God, God delights to do for you. Amen? He, often. But God, you know, that, that's a blessing to God. He said, he said, man, I would have just loved to have done this for you. He said, man, I would have loved to have saved you. I would have loved to pull you up out of the miry clay. I would have loved to set you on that solid rock. I would have loved to establish your goings. I would have loved to come by your way each morning and have some personal time together. I would have loved uh, uh, to, do, uh, uh, to, to, to meet your needs and do all these things for you. Boy, if you just know what I would have done for you, what I would have done for you. He's a, he's a good God. He's a merciful God. Man, you could just brag on God. He said, I would have done everything that needed to be done. Why have you rejected me? Why have you turned from me? Why have you failed, amen, uh, uh, to finally uh, surrender to me? The goodness of God. He said, often I would have. I would have been glad to do this for you. Well, and if you're not saved this morning, I tell you, God would be glad, amen, to save you today. If you want to get things right, God would be glad to restore that right relationship with you today. You have a need in your life, God would be glad, amen, to help you out with that thing in your life today. And notice next, the gathering, the gathering of God. What did he say? I would have what? Which are saying, how often would I have what? Gather thy children together. Gather thy children together. Listen, friend. Heaven is not limited on space. <laughs> Amen? Heaven is not limited on space. God's arms are not limited in reach. Heaven is not limited in space. God's arms are not limited in reach. As the song says, there's room at the cross for you. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? I love those things in Scripture where it just shows, amen, uh, uh, the size and magnitude of God. Uh, I, I, I often think about and I often mention uh, when, when, they're in the, uh, when they're in the wilderness and God meets their need, right? Hey, uh, uh, the other day I saw on the news about how uh, uh, soup kitchens and uh, these things like that, how there's a, a lot more people coming to them, and they showed a picture, man, and, and the, the cars were just lined up because they have to do it outside, right? I mean, the cars were just lined up as far as you can see. And I think, I wonder how long those people had to wait in line uh, to get that little meal and keep going. Can you imagine in the wilderness when God wanted to do something for them if they would have had to wait in line? Okay, uh, just one quail at a time, please. Just one uh, a bowl of manna. All right, hey, 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 don't be cutting in line. Don't be cutting in line. I mean, can you imagine how long that line would have been? Hey, when they wanted water, if God said, boom, there's your drinking fountain. Amen. Everybody line up. Now, don't worry. This water, this drinking fountain, it's, hey, it's going to be here for a while. No, no, don't fuss. Just get in line. Amen. As you come through, get all the water you want and keep moving, keep moving, right? There's, hey, everybody wants a drink. No, but that's not what happened. Hey, uh, they woke up and boom, there was enough manna. Everybody could go out at the same time. Hey, uh, they wanted quail, boom, there was enough quail for everybody to go out. When they wanted water, nobody had to stand in line. Amen? Well, when God wants to do something, amen, there's enough for everybody. There is enough for 
Everybody, amen. Uh, listen, uh, we had, listen. There's always leftovers, if you will, at God's at God's table. He's got plenty. He's got plenty for everybody. And listen, friend, uh, you need to listen. Right this morning, listen. Uh, you you come to God. He's got enough for you. Amen. Whatever you need, His supply is endless. He has enough for you. He says this. Even as hen, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings. I love that statement. Picture that for a moment. Even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings. And boy, I love to read about, you ever read about wings in the Word of God? Wings represent many things in the Word of God. Let me just give you a couple things that wings represent in the Word of God. One, they represent deliverance. Deliverance. I love this verse. Exodus 19.4 says this, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. Is this, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Boy, that's what God wants to do. He says, listen, I would have gathered you together. God, all he's trying to do is bring you unto himself. If you're lost, he wants to bring you unto himself. If you're saved, he just wants to draw you closer. Uh, Dry now to God and he'll draw nigh to thee. Listen, whatever it is, you need to be uh, delivered, amen, uh, from your sin and be saved. He's here to deliver you. Hey, you got something in your life you need help with? He's here to deliver you. Come and let God bear you on his wings. It speaks of security. Let me give you some good verses about that. Root 2.12. I love this verse uh, where, uh, I believe it's where Boaz is talking to Ruth. It makes this statement. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, listen to this, under whose wings under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's a precious verse. Psalm 36, 7 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. One more. Psalm 91, 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Boy, you come, just, just, just picture that, uh, uh, that hen running around there, amen, gathering up her chicks and saying, listen, uh, the storm's coming. You need to come into the place of security, amen. Under the shadow of the wings of God is a place of refuge. Not only does it speak of deliverance and security, but it speaks of love and nurturing. Listen, listen to this verses in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 verses 10 and 11 say this. He found him in a desert land. And in the waste, howling wilderness, he led them about. He instructed them. He kept them as the apple of his eye. That means the most precious thing. Then it says this in verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young. Amen. (laughs) Makes a fuss over them. God wants to make a fuss over you. God wants to make a fuss over you. Spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them upon her Wings. He wants to love and nurture you. Psalm 17, 8 says, Keep me as the apple of thy eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Boy, he's saying, hey, listen, come. This is a place of deliverance. This is a place of security. This is a place of love and nurturing. And then I'll, this one, a place of blessing. Matthew 4, 2 says this, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. 
with healing in his wings. Hey, listen, uh, whatever you need, amen, uh, salvation, whatever you need to help you today, you can find under the shadow of the wings of an almighty and gracious God. Boy, why wouldn't you want to be under wings like that? Why would you run from wings like that? Why would you run, run from someone who extends their wings, extends their arms, extends the invitation for you to draw nigh to them? But how sadly this verse ends. How sadly this verse ends. But look how it ends. You would not. You would not. So what do we see? Amen. We, we, we saw we, in, in, in these verses, we saw, we saw the grief of God. We saw the gifts of God. We saw the grace of God. We saw the goodness of God. We saw the gathering of God. But then it ends with the guilt. But not the guilt of God. The guilt of man. The guilt of man. He says, ye would not. God was willing to do all the good things. Hey, God was, hey, whatever you needed. Hey, whatever, whatever you needed to happen in your life, whatever you need to help with, God's willing to do it. But what happened? Ye would not. Well, I thought about, you know, you look at this verse, just a little sidetrack here. That, that's got to mess up some Calvinists. What the will of God? Be? He says, listen, I would have done it. I would have done it. I would have done it. But you would not. Boy, hey, hey, listen, when people stand before God, listen, God doesn't send anybody to hell. They go because they, they, have to, they have to walk over and tread underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of God. God doesn't send people to hell. If God's so loving, why does he send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. He tries to woo them to himself, but they reject him. And because, listen, you follow God here, you're going to follow God to heaven. But when you choose to follow your sin and follow the devil, and follow your way, you're going to go the way that that takes you and it takes you straight to hell. That's what takes you to hell because you reject the goodness and the grace of God because God says, come unto me and be you saved. Hey, come unto me and let me do what needs to be done in your life. Come unto me. Hey, listen, everything's prepared. The price has been paid. And listen, when you stand before God, you're not going to have one excuse. He's just going to, you'll try to make some excuse and he's going to have to look at you and say, you would not. You would not. You would not. I tried. I tried. I tried. I sent all those people into your life. I did all those things to help you. But you would not. There will only be one guilty person, and that person will be you, the one that rejected the wooing and drawing and invitation of a holy and loving and gracious God. Ye would not. The guilt lies with man. The guilt lies with man. If, if somebody is not saved today, if somebody is not right with God today, they have no one to blame but themselves. Ye would not. He says it right there. And notice the result of their rejection. Notice what he says in verse 38. Behold, notice this statement, your house is left unto you. Your house is left unto you. To you. Do you know what God wanted? He wanted it to be his house. He wanted it to be his house. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We well, don't talk about the temple, but also Israel, right? He wanted it to be his house. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to rule that house, and he wanted to take care and meet your needs. But he says, hey, listen, okay, you, you don't want me? He said, I'll step back, and I'll leave it to you. It's your house now. You're responsible. That's a sad state to be in. The worst thing a man can be left to, I say it again, is himself. The worst thing, that's what happened. When did things get bad in Romans 1? When God left man to himself. Then he went straight down. 
Because without the grace of God, there's no place for man to go but down deeper into this, this, the, the, the depths of sin. Right? The, the heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. You have no idea what's in your own heart. You have no idea what's in your own heart. You say, I'd never do that. You don't know what you do, but for the grace of God in your life. And when you reject God calling you to get saved, when you reject God calling you to get that thing right, all you're going to do, amen, is get deeper into the wickedness of your own heart. And you have no idea where that will take you. Behold, your house is left desolate. Why? Why? Because God left the house. God left the house. And it says this, For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth. What a sad thing that God would say, That's it. I'm, 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 I'm done with you. I'm stepping away from this thing. You're now left to yourself. I shall see you henceforth. Listen, you need to, you need to remember this. People need to remember, and when you witness to people, you need to remind them this. Listen, God has allowed me to come here and give you the gospel. God has allowed me to come here and share truth with you. But you need to remember this. God is under no obligation, amen, to deal with your heart again. God is under no obligation to knock on your door again. God is under no obligation to give you another chance. He's not obligated to do that. He, God is under no obligation to give anybody another opportunity. He could, he could send somebody to your house and, and try to deal with you, and you know you need to get saved. You know it's the right thing to do. You know what needs that you, you're this far in your life, and you just see it's a wasted life. You don't know what to do, and God's trying to draw you, and God's trying to help you, and you reject. He says, okay, all right. I made my effort. I'm gone. God could do that. God's under no obligation to give anybody another opportunity. If you are lost, but here's the thing. If you are lost, again, God does not have to give you another opportunity to get saved. So God declared judgment here, but then he gave a window of mercy. But he does, never says how long that window is going to be open. But as we close, let me share this with you. You see it here. God would rather apply mercy than judgment. God would rather bless than berate. God would rather gather than cast out. God would rather use surrender than rebel. That's his desire. That's his desire. Boy, as, we, as we're in these holidays, as we pray for our loved ones, let's, let's remind us to, as, as we gather around our loved ones, as we're praying for our loved ones, Let's pray. Let's, let's think about these verses as we thank you. Let's remind them of, uh, of the grie- how God grieves uh, uh, for them, how, how God, uh, God's grace has been extended to them, God's, God's goodness, amen, and how God wants to gather them unto himself. But if they choose not to, then they'll be left to themselves. Again, one day is going to be the last chance. Today could be that day. We need to remind people that today could be be that day. So I pray if, if somebody's here, somebody's listening and they need to be saved, I pray that today, while that window of mercy is still open, that they would be saved. I pray if somebody uh, uh, has walked away from God and they've let their heart, and they, I pray that they'd turn and get that thing uh, right today. Oh, come, amen, while the opportunity is open. I, again, I know I, I mentioned, I mentioned again when I was at that fortress in Africa there, that big door where they sent the slaves out. It said, uh, the door of no return. 
And then when they brought the slaves back, on this side it said the door of return. So, well, today again, it's the door of return. It's the door of return, but one day it will become the door of no return. One day that door will be shut. And, he, and so if, if, if you're lost, I'd hate for that door to close and never get saved again. Or, you know what, if I, if I got something in my life and I'm, I'm not right with God, listen, I'd hate for Jesus to come back or I'd hate to die and right, uh, uh, rejected that opportunity, amen, uh, to get that thing restored with God. So as we think about this this morning, realize the reality of judgment, the reality of judgment, but also the reality of God's mercy and him desiring to draw you unto himself.